I really want to put my coat on, but I don't feel like I can speak with my coat on. I'm cold. Uh, anyway, good to see you. Uh, my name's Esther. I'm uh, one of the leaders here at Ebby Church. Um, and today we are back in our incomparable teaching series. Uh, it's based in the Old Testament book called Isaiah. And we've read about Isaiah A guy who had a vision of God that turned everything he thought he knew on its head. Isaiah's encounter with God changed how he saw God, how he saw himself in relation to God, and his understanding of what that meant for living life. And this is all so relevant for us today. We may not have had Isaiah-type visions involving massive angels with multiple wings, but... As Ben said a few weeks ago, our vision of God, whatever that is, shapes our response to God. So this is really important stuff. Our own uh, mental image of God, the characteristics that we attribute to God, how we hear God's tone of voice when we read the Bible, all of this is so important because it has a huge impact on all of our responses to God. And as Ben said, for each of us, um, how we see God will look a little bit different. Uh, So we need to be talking to each other. We need to be having these conversations because our vision of God shapes our response to God, not just as individuals, but as church family together. So this morning, uh, we are going to be in Isaiah chapter 40, and we are going to take on God's incomparable love. Um, And as people who follow Jesus, we talk about God's love a lot. We tell people God's love is for everyone, that it's unconditional, that it can change the world, and rightly so, because it is. It can, and that is amazing. But sometimes I wonder if um, the concept of God's love can get like a little bit too familiar. It trips a little bit too easily off the tongue and we can say this stuff to ourselves and each other without really thinking about everything that could and should follow and another thing when we think about God and his love as humans uh, we want things to be explainable controllable neat and tidy or is that just me That is definitely me. Um, So we try to reduce and squeeze the stuff of God into smaller, more manageable boxes. Uh, We start adding our own limits and our own boundaries. And we freak out if we can't explain God's love to other people in three neat points. And if they begin with the same letter, you get double points for that. But anyway, when you think about it, this is... It's daft. We can't box God. Like, he's so way off the charts and beyond our understanding. And I just think sometimes, or actually maybe most of the times when it comes to God, we've got to learn to be content in that. Like, God is awesomely impossible to get our heads around. And I mean awesome in the awesome sense of that word. He's awesomely impossible to get our heads around and do you know what like that isn't a bad thing and to be honest for me it's a bit of a relief and but it's actually pretty cool when you think about it as well 
Like God is awesomely impossible to get our heads around. Uh, before, the, before we read the Bible, um, I'm going to read from a guy called Brennan Manning. Uh, he was a priest and an author. Um, and this is his take, his experience of God's love. He says, Ironically, it was April Fool's Day, 1975, 6.30am, and I woke up in a doorway. I was thick in an alcoholic fog, sniffing vomit all over my sweater, staring down at my bare feet. I had been out on the street for a year and a half, drunk every day, always clutching my precious little bottle of tequila. I looked down the street to see a woman coming towards me, maybe 25 years old, blonde and attractive. She had her son in hand, maybe four years old. The boy broke loose from his mother's grip, ran to the doorway and stared down at me. His mother rushed in behind him, tucked her hand over his eyes and said, don't look at that filth. That's nothing but pure filth. Then I felt her shoe. She broke two of my ribs with that kick. That filth was Brennan Manning 32 years ago. And the God I've come to know by sheer grace, the Jesus that I met in the grounds of my own self, has furiously loved me regardless of my state. And why? For his love is never, never, never based on our performance, never conditioned by our moods. The furious love of God knows no shadow of alteration or change. It is reliable and always tender. So, Father God, yeah, as we uh, think about you and we think about your love together right now, um, yeah, will you give us a fresh vision of you where we need that? Will you... Um, Yes, speak to us. I pray that we will know something of your furious love for us and all the people around us, people that we do life with. Holy Spirit, will you fill us? Will you fill this place? Amen. So uh, we are going to have a read of Isaiah chapter 40 now. Um, we are going to read verses 9 to 11 and 27 to 31. If you've got a Bible on your phone or in paper form, um, that might be helpful. Otherwise, uh, the words are going to be on the screen behind me. So this is Isaiah chapter 40 uh, from verse 9. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. This is down to verse 27. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. 
but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So um, just a little bit of where we're going today. We are going to have a look at who is God? What is God's love like and who is it for? going to look at Jesus and have a think about our response. So let's have a look. Who is God? Start with a small question. Um, just realised how ridiculous that was. Um, so I love how these verses um, give us this picture of God who is awesomely powerful and in the same breath ridiculously intimate and close. And I say ridiculous because God being all of this, awesomely powerful and intimately close at the same time is, quite frankly, mind-blowing and ridiculous. And if we have a look through those verses that we've read, um, let's just pick some bits out. So Isaiah says God is sovereign, rules with a mighty arm, everlasting, the creator of the ends of the earth who never gets tired. And by the way, no one can understand. Isaiah also says God is like a shepherd who tends, gathers, carries and gently leads and renews the strength of those who are tired and weary. Like God is not, he's not one than the other. Like Isaiah isn't talking about two different gods here. God is awesomely powerful and intimately close. And for me, I think it's a good thing to, yeah, to hold on to this when we talk about God and love. Like God's love isn't fluffy. It's not lame or shallow. God's love is powerful. It's furious, as Brennan Manning says. And it's hit you hard in the guts, passionate. And as we've prayed and thought this morning already, and as we look at the world we're living in right now, I need a God who loves like this with a powerful, furious, passionate love. And I also need, and I think the world needs, a God who loves carefully and gently and specifically personally. And this is why God's love is unlike anything else on offer, unlike anything else we can experience. God's love is awesomely powerful and intimately close. It's impossibly complex and amazingly simple, also known as bonkers in my language. <laughs> um, but let's kind of dig in a little bit to our verses and uh, yeah, look a bit closer at the picture of God's love that Isaiah gives us. So what does it look like and who is it for? Like verse 11 says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. For me, the shepherd thing can be a bit of a weird one. Um, it comes up a lot in the Bible, but for us in Bristol 2022, it's not a job that we often come across in day-to-day -day life, is it? Is it? Anyone know any shepherds? Oh, there's always one who does. <laughs> yeah. um, but just a, f a few quick thoughts on what a shepherd is like. So a shepherd is in it for the long haul. Like shepherds are awake when everyone else is asleep. 
They are committed in all seasons for all seasons. And a shepherd carefully guides and leads their sheep. They take them to the best places where they can get what they need to thrive. A shepherd knows their sheep intimately and personally. If one is lost, a shrug of the shoulders and getting some sleep isn't an option. Everything stops until that sheep is found. And a shepherd will fiercely protect their sheep, no matter what the cost. And Isaiah is saying that this is how God loves and cares for us. He's in it for the long haul. He carefully guides and leads us. He loves us intimately and personally, and he will fiercely protect us. And when I just kind of think about this, like for God to know which of us needs carrying in this way that Isaiah explains, like which of us needs uh, some gentle leading, he has to be right here in amongst us. None of that can be done well at a respectable distance. Like the nature of God and his love for us demands that he is always close. And in verse 29, um, we read this. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And I love how this verse underlines what we've just said about God's love and demanding that he's close. Like there's a present tense in that he gives, he increases. And to me, this implies a gradual, like carefully thought out restoration. It's not a wave of a magic wand and boom, goodbye weariness, see you later weakness. Like God's love is about relationship. So he works with us in the ongoing process of our restoration in the ups and the downs and the general messiness of our lives. God's love isn't about remote, quick fixes, which is a shame, because sometimes that might seem easier. But God's love is way, way deeper than that. Uh, Verses 11 and 29 together remind us that God has a specifically fierce and protective kind of love for those who are vulnerable. We're all vulnerable, whether we like to admit that or not. Like We all need God to pick us up and carry us close to his heart. We all need his love that refreshes and restores like nothing else or no one else can. But if you keep reading on in Isaiah, uh, we see really clearly and throughout the whole Bible, to be honest, that God hates injustice. He hates it when those that are vulnerable are exploited and oppressed. In Isaiah chapter 58, God slams Israel for missing the point entirely. God isn't interested in showy religion. He wants their love for him to make a real, tangible difference to those who are vulnerable. It says to loose the chains of injustice, to set the oppressed free, to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. And Isaiah 42, also worth a read. In it, we're, in, we're pointed to Jesus, who it says, motivated by love, protects the broken and relentlessly pursues justice. So let's go to Jesus for a little bit. 
Um, this is a quote from Brennan Manning again. And he says, Jesus Christ has irreparably changed the world. When preached purely, his word exalts, frightens, shocks and forces us to reassess our whole life. The gospel breaks our train of thought, shatters our comfortable piety and cracks open our capsule truths. By entering human history, God has demolished all previous conceptions of who God is and what man is supposed to be. We can no longer talk about God, about God's love as a theory, because in Jesus we see God's love with skin on, living and breathing in our world. Jesus' love is seen in his miracles, in his awesome power over the weather, time and space, sickness, food and drink, and darkness in all its forms. And Jesus' love is seen in his relationships, in his desire to get intimately close with all kinds of people, whether they are fraudsters, contagious, religious, people just like you and me. And of course, in Jesus, we see the ultimate expression of love in his uh, death on the cross and coming back to life. And we're going to take some time to think about this, to sit in Jesus' love and what that meant for him and what that means for us as we share communion together in a little bit. But for now, let's go back to Isaiah and think about our response in all this. There's a couple of things. I've got a question in this. Like, what is our response when life hurts? So I really appreciate that talking about God's love can be really painful. Because when we talk about God's love being awesomely powerful and miraculous, we don't have to look hard to find times in our lives that point to anything but... And when we talk about God's love, uh, about God loving us in that intimately personal way, that's really tough when we feel absolutely nothing. In verse 27, Isaiah mentions questions and complaints. He asks, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. And this isn't unusual in the Bible. The Bible is full of people asking God questions and telling God exactly how it is. And even Jesus, when Jesus is dying slowly and painfully on the cross, he cries out, where are you, God? And if we read on in verses uh, 28 to 31, Isaiah points us to who God is, to his love and care, and the hope that we can have in the right now, whatever is going on, and for the future. It says, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. We need to be honest with God and each other. We need to 
to point each other to God to hope when we're weak and weary. We need to wrestle with the tough stuff and the apparent contradictions that we might see or feel. Like God does love us all and God is awesomely powerful. God is intimately close. But let's not make that a full stop that shuts uh, any further chat or questions down. Because it's God's crazy, bonkers love for us that makes this wrestling kind of relationship possible with him. He loves us without our filters. So we can look God right in the face and say like the dad to Jesus in Mark chapter 9, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And we also need to ask ourselves questions about how we respond to God's love in an active, out loud kind of way. And again, we've already pointed to this um, with the noise. Like verse 9 talks about bringing good news, lifting up your voice and not being afraid. And I think we know it, but just in case we forget. Like God's love isn't something to keep to ourselves. It's not to be locked away in church buildings or at church gatherings. And it's also not to be lobbed at people carelessly without any backup. Uh, a few weeks ago when Ben spoke, um, he said this. God is a God of overwhelming power and of overwhelming grace. And our response to that then should be to try and live in a world that welcomes and extends grace to everybody on the basis that they are loved, not that they are better or worse. And so this makes me ask myself a load of questions, and so I'm going to ask them to you, because it's good to share. Do we live like this is true? Like really, that everyone is totally and completely loved by God? How do we treat Drunk Brennan Manning, covered in vomit, lying in the street. We might not kick him and break two ribs, but like, is crossing the street any better? And Martin Luther King talks about the redemptive power of love. And I totally believe God's love has the power to transform and redeem anyone, any situation any that we might write off as lost. So who are the people? What are the situations in and around our lives that we've written off? Where and how is God asking us to share, to be his love today? And I mean like actually today and in our week ahead. Because this is real. Like this God's love, it's got to count. It's got to make a difference. can't just be something that I stand up and say on a Sunday morning. How does this make a difference in my Sunday afternoon, in my Monday to Friday? You know, like this has got to count. And so I'm going to finish by reading a couple of Jesus bits from the Bible. Um, these are both from the message paraphrase. Um, and this is uh, John chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. 
This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. And this is Jesus speaking to us from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. <laughs>